Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment. Standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad, the podcast where we explore the joys and challenges of fatherhood with real dads. I'm your host, David, and today we have a special guest, John Christensen. He is the author of Village Wisdom, which is six dads' reflections on lessons learned. John is also an Army veteran, a whiskey fan, and a poker player. He is also a high-functioning nerd who never takes life too seriously, except when it comes to being a dad. John joins us from Lola, Texas to share the insights on fatherhood and the lessons he learned along the way. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of fatherhood with John on the show of dad. Thanks for joining us today, brother. Thanks, David. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely, dude. No, I I saw your post. You had some really interesting posts. And, you know, one of the things we say at the show of dad is a lot of us never had a blueprint or anything like that to fatherhood, right? And fatherhood can be hard, it can be challenging, but it's also very rewarding. So that's why I was interested in bringing you on because you saw the same thing and you decided to get different insights from all these different fathers and put them in a book, kind of like a a blueprint for guys that don't have it, right? Right, right, sure. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became an army veteran, an author and all that stuff, if you don't mind, brother? Yeah, totally. So uh, yeah, I guess it all starts with the army. You know, I before I joined the army, I, um, you know, I was struggling with life, man, I was, um, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know the definition. I certainly didn't know the impact, but I was depressed. You know, I was doing Mm -hmm. things that uh, me as a father, uh, you know, 20 years down the road would not approve of. And so um, it started out with me helping a friend and, uh, and, and, in that instant kind of recognizing um just how good it felt to help somebody and mm-hmm. you know i i i remember you know kind of like marinating on that a bit and so um you know at the time my life was going nowhere a- as it was and so 
I found myself in a recruiter's office and uh, really the only reason I joined the army over like the Marines was because the army offered a sign on bonus. <laughs> so like <laughs> how superficial and shallow is that? But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I still, to this day, I credit the army uh, not only with, uh, you know, shaping me into the person that I am today, today but also mm -hmm. um, essentially saving my life. You know, who knows where I would have ended up had it not been for the army. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, through the army, I, you know, and really any military service, uh, you know, it breaks you down in like basic training and stuff, you know, they break you down so they can build you up type deal. Yeah. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened with me. And it they cracked a shell that nobody else could, and developed me into the man and prospective father and husband that I would become today. And mm -hmm. so it's really interesting, because, you know, I, I recently came across a post actually on Instagram or somewhere. Um, but it was essentially stating like the person that you are today is the person that you would have felt safe with as a kid. And mm. man, that made me like, think, you know, that, that that's a that's a brain burner, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I did the army thing met my wife, and uh, eventually became a father. Um, a couple years after leaving the military. Um, and as far as the book, you know, I started kind of doing some soul searching, you know, I was thinking about ways to escape the nine to five so that I could see my kids more, you know, at the time I was working, you know, 30 or 40 minutes away from the kids school. And it was a struggle to get to like kids events, like their award shows and the field trips and all like the the daily ins and outs of what happens at the school. And so kind of started thinking about like what I could do to be more present in my kids lives, you know, on a daily mm -hmm. basis. And, uh, and so I started journaling about it, you know, I, I didn't feel really comfortable going to any friends, you know, it was just kind of like the, the typical dad thing, just kind of like, shut up and, and do your dad work, you know, but nobody yeah. really understands what that dad work is. And so I started journaling, man, you know, and I figured that after a year or so, I'd have enough and I've always kind of had this bucket list item to author my own book. Yeah. And so, um, you know, through journaling, I just kind of figured I'd print out, you know, a, a full year's worth 300 plus pages of journals um, and offer it to my son at some point, you know, I just thought it would be so I mean, how amazing would that be to read your own parents or grandparents journal, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I literally got about halfway through my first journal entry and felt this like wave of selfishness, like just crash over me. Uh -huh. Uh, and I, I knew some, some other dads that I was really close with. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, and I'm typically an introvert. I am an introvert, <laughs> um, an internal introvert, but, uh, you know, it took a lot of humility and vulnerability to reach out to some other dads that I knew that are, that were really good at dadding. And, uh, I reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, you guys interested in writing a book with me, you know, leaving something that can potentially leave a legacy for, you know, our kids. And, you know, I, I look at it as our kids because we are a, a village, you know, it's, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a kid and and I couldn't be more of a, a champion for that. Yeah. And so to my, to my, I don't know if I was surprised or what, but, you know, almost instantly everybody signed on. I mean, there's, there's six of us. So I, I say everyone, there was only five other dads that I reached out to, but still, you know, they all signed on and, uh, and we were all, uh, you know, dedicated to churning this thing out. And I'll tell you, like, it was, it's, it's fascinating, you know, to, to kind of understand your own perspective is one thing, but to understand five other perspectives 
on the same track, you know, travelings and, you know, the path that you're headed down. uh, Mm -hmm. It's, it's mind blowing. And so, you know, it's, it's really, the book ended up being, you know, I, I don't want to call it a manual to fatherhood, but it almost is, you know, it's, it's just like, kind of like guidance and something that you wish you had when you started the journey as a dad, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, and it's so important to write things down. I had a past guest, uh, Kent Brewer, who came on and uh, he's the author and creator of uh, Legacy Letters, right? And his goal is to help fathers write these letters to their sons, right? And uh, he discussed how his father passed away, right? And his dad was a very influential in his life. He was a tight end who who played with uh, Terry Bradshaw, right? Wow. And uh, at Louisiana Tech. And uh, so his dad is very well known. He's a very well likable guy. They go to Hawaii. Needless to say, his dad winds up drowning on him. And he couldn't save him because his dad was such a big man. But on his way to the hotel when they're cleaning up and they're still trying to wrap their brain around what had happened during that traumatic incident, right? His mom's like packing up his dad's stuff because like I said, they're on a vacation. Some letters fall out, right? And they got him, they opened him up and he starts reading it. And it's a letter from his dad to his son talking about how proud he was of him and all these different things that us as sons need to hear. Right. Absolutely. And um, he started on this mission to help people write these letters to their own sons. So what I'm getting at is that the importance of writing things down, I mean, you never know how much that's going to cascade down throughout the ages, you know, it's huge. You know, when you hear about like, you know, these people that, that lose their parents um, and they have like voicemails right on their phone and they listen to them like on a daily or a weekly basis, just to hear their voice. Like I'm sure the people that do that couldn't even tell you what the substance of the message is. It's just hearing the voice that that's so paramount. And um, you know, part of, part of, you know, that can be found in a podcast, right? I mean, can mm-hmm. you imagine that the the smile that this podcast is going to bring to, you know, our kids' lives one day? It's, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, kind of along those lines, um, mm-hmm. I, I met my wife about, uh, about 15 years ago. And, um, you know, she's always talked about this one Christmas video. Um, mm-hmm. She was, you know, four or five, six years old at Christmas. Uh-huh. And uh, an uncle was filming, you know, those big like missile launcher VHS tape recorders, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was uh, filming the whole Christmas with her and her brother and some family members and her parents. Well, my wife uh, was a complete orphan by the time that she was 13, uh, lost wow. both of her parents and um, some heart trouble. And, uh, you know, she's always talked about this video. And for Mother's Day, we woke up and she had uh, a Google Drive link in her email and mm-hmm. one of her cousins had found the video and uh, had it digitized in like an MP4 or whatever and yeah. sent it to her. And so like we watched it and it was an hour long of getting to hear, you know, I've never met her parents and, yeah. uh, you know, surely she can't possibly remember that much from that long ago, but it was just amazing just to hear their voices and see their faces Uh you know, from that, and for me to see my wife as like a four or five year old kid, it was just crazy. But it's, you know, 
the legacy that we're able to leave, such as those letters to dad or letters from dad, um, mm -hmm. man, it's just remarkable. It's amazing. And I think it really does something to somebody's, to your soul, you know, by being mm -hmm. able to connect in that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, you told us about how, what inspired you. What are you hoping that your readers will take away from it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the really, I think this is possibly the most interesting aspect of the book is that it's kind of like interactive in a sense okay. that we, uh, you know, it spawned from like this, this necessity, this, this weird urge to journal. Right. And so we started mm -hmm. responding to prompts, um, but the the really interesting aspect that we added was intentionally blank pages between chapters or okay. responses so that the reader can uh, answer the responses in their own handwriting and then pass that book down generationally to their kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, cause I, I couldn't shake the idea that I really want to read my dad's journal, <laughs> you know, and I don't, I, I don't think my dad has a journal, you know, but I would love to just know his like inner thoughts, like, you know, the questions that nobody would ever think to ask, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of, that's some of the questions that we, that we answered, but um, you know, being able to, you know, potentially see your grandfather's handwritten words on a page. Like I, I can't think of anything more, you know, significantly impactful to you know your your soul at as a you know a lineage uh, a family member of somebody that's come mm -hmm. you know years after generations after you it's just a really cool aspect and it's just something that you know mm -hmm. obviously the readers of the book will take away like the stories and some of the, the vulnerability and, and hopefully be more open and transparent in their own lives but if they're able to leave that, you know, generational wisdom for their future generations, I hope they do so. Man, you just talking about that, right? And your vision for, you know, it being interactive. That's amazing. That's mind blowing, dude. Because me thinking back, I would have loved to hear my great grandfather who traveled from the Azor Islands of Portugal as a whaler to the United States at 14 years old, right? I Dude. would love to hear what he went through, what he experienced, you know, um, and just seeing even, even let's say, let's go back to just even my dad, dude, because we have this way of looking at our dads through a certain light, through a certain lens, right? Yeah. And I would love to see what my dad's fears were, why he acted a certain way. And it would give me more of a perspective of him as a person right versus just knowing and, and being taught and being shown certain things from him i would love to see the drive behind it the why behind it and be like okay that makes sense now you know what i'm saying so For this sure. is deep dude oh yeah i mean that that's that's the goal of this and and you know mm -hmm. one of the things that we've really and i'll tell you like in in writing this I, I didn't want to introduce any potential for like bias in my own writing, you know, so I kind of like organized yeah. the whole thing and sent out all the questions to all the, the other five dads. But, you know, I had to make sure that each of the dads was kind of like following along with the pros, you know, I didn't want I didn't want one dad writing a couple sentences and another dad writing like 50 pages a day, you know. Yeah. So um, and I really didn't want to read their writing either and I suppose like in hindsight you know the Monday morning quarterback in me could have had my wife read them and just make sure that they were good but at the time like I just 
I just had to know what they wrote. And so I read the first entry from each dad and, um, and it was absolutely mind blowing just seeing how vulnerable these dads could be in their responses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, at that point, like I, I resolved to myself that I wouldn't read anymore until it came time to like edit, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I'll tell you like it, in editing, I was just absolutely blown away. Um, so like, you know, fast forward to the day that the books arrive, you know, and I'm, I'm not much of an emotional dude, you know, I, I cried when my, when my kids were born, I cried when I lost somebody in combat in Iraq. Um, but outside of that, like, I just always kind of grew up in a world where dudes don't cry, you know, you, you suck it up, you man up and you push on. Yeah. And I'll tell you, those books uh, were slotted to, I got the email from UPS, like they're coming, they're going to be here in an hour type deal. And so I grabbed a beer and I'm sitting on the tailgate of my wife's truck, just waiting for this UPS driver to come up. And, um, you know, he shows up, he drops the six book, the six boxes off. And it took me about half an hour to, mm-hmm. um, to dry up my eyes to walk in the house, just because I was so, so proud of what we had built. Yeah. And the very first book I pulled out of, out of that box, I gave to my wife and I was like, Hey, you have to read this. And she she knew what I was doing. And she had, you know, she had read through some of the book and editing, but she hadn't read through all of it. And so I gave it to her. And, uh, you know, the next morning she was like, I have some questions, you know, And, and this is a woman that I have shared a dinner table with. I've shared a bed with, I've shared children with our careers with, I've known her for 15 years of my life. And she, she learned something about me through this book. And so like, imagine like, you know, learning something about your father or your son, learning something about you or your daughter, learning something about you that you've shared an entire lifetime with. And it's just, it, it's, it literally blows me away every day. And Mm -hmm. I still, you know, I, I get text messages and screenshots and pictures from, uh, readers across the country. And it's the best when, Mm-hmm. It's somebody that I've never met. I have no connection with. And they're like, oh my God, like this, this is amazing. And it, it's that feeling that keeps me going with this thing. Yeah, for sure. Cause you're really training yourself to be vulnerable too and open. Right. Yeah. And it's something you know, that transparent. Yep. You know? And as dads, like we're not, I think the traditional and more conservative approach is that like, we're not supposed to be, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we're supposed to be, you know, open and transparent with our, with ourselves, maybe our spouse, and maybe, maybe a little bit with like family members, but outside of that, like, we're, we're just not. And so I'm hoping that this kind of, well, really, I hope this just shatters that glass and just allows parents to come out, you know, and we, we also, over the past couple of weeks, we, we've started, with uh the mom's edition uh Mm. so we're going to drop that in a few months but i cannot wait to read through that no yeah for sure for sure no and you're absolutely right i don't know why we have this stigma as men to where we have to seem like we have it all together i think that's leading to a tremendous amount of stress already on us that we were never meant to carry right and um I, i i i firmly believe now i'm not a any type of professional or anything like that. But I firmly believe that that's led to a lot of unwarranted deaths and suicides, just that added stress, you know, of not being able to talk to, to put on this facade that, Hey man, I can't let anybody know that something's going on with me. 
oh, that absolutely. I don't have it together. You know what I'm saying? You know, so it's good you created this. Yeah, one of our co-authors, Casey, um, he is mm -hmm. a recovering alcoholic. I think he's year 12 or year 13. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got to talking not too long ago about how, like, what's going to happen to, uh, what's going to happen when a dad that's in similar shoes that hasn't had the platform to kind of speak his piece about this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. that is an alcoholic and is fighting alcoholism, uh, you know, cause, and that's typically like, you know, if, if my son sees me start to write, he's going to start to write. If he sees me work out, he's going to start to work out. If my right. son sees me drinking every night, guess what he's probably going to do when he hits 21, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if there is a single dad out there, uh, that is going through it like this and his son can read about his struggle, you know, his story and, and how he's defeating, the monster that is alcoholism, you know, could this book potentially save that kid's life? And like my hair again is standing up on my arms. I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping, you know, if I could snap my fingers and alcoholism could be just be completely erased from humanity, I'd do it 10 times over. But the reality is it's always going to be there. Um, but if this, book can do anything to defeat that man i mean mm -hmm. what a what a reward no for sure and the repercussions like you're saying you you don't know where they're going to end it's like dropping a, a stone in a pond right and yeah. those ripples keep going and going and growing and growing and growing we don't know how it's going to affect i mean it could have a tsunami effect on the other end for good right absolutely so no it, it's it's really cool that you're doing that man and i'm glad that guys like you guys like Clint are coming up with these books, these letters to write, you know, cause that's one of the things that I tell in our coaching that we have for fathers is like, man, write a journal down, you know, yeah. start having these morning reflections of yeah. gratitude. You know, what are you thankful for? What are your biggest fears? You yeah. know, stuff like that and write them down, jot them down. That way they become visual. They're not just sitting in the back of your head. When you have them written down, then you can start creating a plan to overcome them. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, the weight of those thoughts in your mind mm -hmm. is the heaviest that it'll ever be. You know, you, mm -hmm. you can, I don't care if you can bench 500 pounds and squat a thousand, you know, if, if you can't get those thoughts out of your mind, it, you're in for a tough time. And so, you know, being able to, like you said, write them out and, and, formulate you know an attack plan to defeat them mm -hmm. there's there's no better way for sure for sure now you describe yourself as a whiskey loving poker playing high functioning nerd right yeah. how do these interests influence you when you're writing your outlook on life brother yeah you know the, the whiskey part i've really kind of given up uh over the past year i the occasional drink i'll indulge in if it's been a tough week at work you know mm -hmm. but um you know i think it's everybody kind of has their vices you know my wife is is stuck on that starbucks <laughs> you know the, the the caramel macchiato you know mm -hmm. um and uh, you know, the, the poker playing, I think is very similar, you know, one of our dads, uh, Javier, he's all about chess, you know, and I think it's that strategic kind of mindset that comes from game theory. 
And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a big push now to get kids off of, you know, Call of Duty and, and Fortnite and, and Minecraft. And I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I, I don't think kids should be spending as much time on screens, you know, back yeah. in the day, if you're anything like me, we were running around with sticks in the woods playing army and manhunt, you know, and, and there's just not enough of that in the world today. And granted, you know, things have kind of changed and, you know, the world is a little bit smaller than what it once was. But mm-hmm. I, I think by, you know, introducing those games where you have to be strategic in, in your movement, I th- think that helps develop you as a person to be more strategic in, you know, your pursuit of happiness as life goes on. And so I think that's really helped. I think poker mm-hmm. has kind of opened the doors um, for, you know, discovering what's practical in life, you know, much as mm-hmm. in like the traditional education system where, you know, you learn about like trigonometry and calculus and, and God, for, God forbid, should I mention, you know, discrete math where there's no actual numbers, it's all like letters and symbols and hieroglyphics, you know, yeah. but it's, and it's not, you know, in those moments, it's not about the math, you know, no, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody cares if you learn, uh, you know, very few people care about the, diameter or the circumference of a circle you know and I certainly don't need that in in my Mm day-to-day but you know it's it's about the process of learning and so if my son can learn to be strategic by playing Call of Duty or Minecraft then I'm all for it I'm 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 against him playing you know four or five hours a day obviously Mm -hmm. but uh you know gaming like poker um and like technology and just kind of you know figuring out the puzzles of tech i think that really helps improve your life and uh and it's something i think not necessarily to be shunned but something to be championed you know no i can't agree more with you and i'll give you a perfect example i'm also a lineman instructor at cal nevada jatc um, where we help raise the next generation and one of the biggest transitions i see from apprentice to journeyman lineman right is the hurdle that they have to overcome is being able to stop thinking like an apprentice and start thinking like a journeyman lineman. And I mean by seeing the big picture, right? Yeah. A lot of these guys as apprentices have been told what to do throughout three, four years, right? Always guiding their training, guiding, training, guiding, right? Yeah. Well, the very next day when they top out or a week later, all of a sudden you're expected to know what to do, right? They need to get out of that mind frame of just going through the process and start applying what you've learned, right? So that's the biggest hurdle. So it's that critical thinking part that they need to start developing, right? We've already shown them the way, but now they got to start thinking on their own. And that's what I always tell them. I was like, you guys got to see the big picture. And I think games like chess, um, seeing the big picture, seeing four or five steps, past what's going on you know not just getting that tunnel vision where you're so focused right here at this problem where you can't see how that focus is going to have a ripple effect four or five steps down the road i mean in life we have to be able to see that you know we can't get so focused on what is happening right here we have to be able to take a step back and i liken that to having a camera and you zoom out and you zoom out and you zoom out 
Yeah. And that's what I describe to my apprentices. That's what I uh, describe to even my family because I take life lessons from what I teach at my apprenticeship as a lineman, as a journeyman lineman, what I have been shown, what my father's been shown, what other fathers have showed me. And I try to utilize that information kind of like what you're doing in your book with everybody I come across, you know, because I believe firmly that our mess is our message. Sure. And you can yeah. learn something from anybody, even if it's not how to do something, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and all too often, and especially with social media, you know, we seek out the 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 affirmations, you know, mm -hmm. we seek out those thoughts from others that align exactly with, with how we think. Yeah. And if it doesn't align, then we don't like that person or we don't like that concept, you know, but if you zoom out and you ex no better metaphor has been spoken. You know, mm -hmm. if you zoom out and you you can visualize the context of a decision point, you know, and understand that, you know, the context for that decision point affects mm -hmm. decision points later on down the road. Um, you know, and if it's something that that somebody, you know, somebody says that doesn't necessarily agree with with your perspective of the world, there's still mm -hmm. something to be learned from that, you know, even if yeah. it's, you know, if it's, if it's reaffirming what you thought, then great. If it's mm -hmm. not, then, then what's their evidence or, you know, thought process behind what they're mm -hmm. saying or what they're presenting. And, um, and yeah, you know, throughout the book, you know, there is, um, there's a religious element in it. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of different aspects on, on how to raise a kid, man. And, yeah. um, and, you know, that alone has so many different elements and so many different angles. And, and the coolest part about it is that none of it's wrong, you know, like, yeah, obviously, you know, beating your kids or talking down to them or bullying them, you know, that's obviously wrong, but those kinds mm -hmm. of people don't write books, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, they probably don't read books and had they read books, they probably wouldn't be the way they are, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, and so that's what kind of comes down to parenting, you know, like we mentioned video games, but my kids read like nobody's business. You know, they, they read menus, We you know, we, and we, it's talked about in the book, but they order from them for themselves at restaurants. You know, we don't speak for them. You know, they yeah. tell us how they feel and we talk through those feelings. And when we tell them, no, it's never because I said, so we always give them the context of know this is why we said no or this is why we said yes you know i think you have to be just as descriptive with yes as you are no and and make sure that they understand the reasons behind those decisions no i i can't agree with you more bro we absolutely have to have our yeses be yes and our noes be no and explain the why behind it yeah. Yeah. you know i see a lot of fathers you know and, and i'm guilty of this myself to where I tell them because, 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 right? Yep. And then finally, I had to stop, take a step back, zoom out, like I said, and I had to really explain to them. I started thinking, I was like, well, why are they questioning me? You know, and I didn't, at the, at the time I was taking offense to it. I was like, I'm the dad. You should just listen to me, right? And we take yeah. offense to it, right? Because now all of a sudden now, you know, a man's deepest uh, need is to be respected, right? And then I started allowing that to to trigger me. And uh, now I'm disrespected and now I'm going to get angry, you know, and all this other stuff, right? But then I have to really step back, zoom out and look at it and be like, okay, they obviously are asking me why because they don't understand. And then I have to think in a different perspective. 
They're kids. They are kids. And foolishness is stored up in the heart of a child. I had to remember that, right? That's a scripture in the Bible. You know, so when fathers get upset and they're like, why did you do this? Or they can't understand why a kid that will just, you know, this isn't something that just happened. You know, it clearly states in the Bible, like you're saying, read that foolishness is stored up in the heart of a child. So your kid is going to do childish, foolish things. And it's up to us to discipline them, right? Which is course correction to help them to understand not to do that again. Absolutely. You know, and we, we as dads, you know, Mm -hmm. need to explain our why, but you know, these kids, like I, I got, I have a seven and a nine-year-old, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're going through spelling bees and they're learning how to spell the word environment and they struggle with it. You know, they, and you know, if the, if there's a silent P like pseudonym, I mean, good night. It's that word is done, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Oh yeah. But they, they don't have the words, the tools to articulate themselves. And so much like we need to understand and convey our why, you know, it's, it's our duty to pull from them their why, you know, why did you knock this milk over on the counter and not clean it up? You know, it's Mm -hmm. not because, you know, they don't know where the paper towels are. It's because they don't know, you know, the importance of cleaning up milk so we don't get Mm -hmm. ants, you know, so, so the ants don't bring mice, you know, and, um, just kind of extrapolating from their perspective Mm -hmm. on, on the decisions that we and they make, you know, it's important. And it's even more important that we assist them on that journey because they don't have, you know, they feel the same emotions that we feel They they, when they pop out from mom, they understand love. um, And we help, we help refine and and define that, but they Mm -hmm. understand all of the emotions. They just don't understand the language and the the language is man-made, you know, nobody comes out, you know, (laughs) knowing how to read and so, or how to talk. And so by us kind of, you know, digging at their why, I think that only enriches the relationship. No, I can't agree more with you, brother. You hit the nail right on the head on that one, man. Um, <laughs> so back to your book, right? Now, we discussed how it teaches on the importance of fatherhood, right? Yeah. Can you tell us about your own experience as a father and how they influenced your writing and your point of view on that portion of the book that you wrote? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I got two stories for this. So one of which, uh, you know, we were three or four days in. So how we kind of like formatted this book is that, you know, it was almost like a new year's resolution. It, it just so happened to kind of align with Jan- the January timeframe. Uh-huh. And so we answered each of, of the six of us dads answered a daily prompt for a month, you know, and so that filled the book. Um, and so I got about three or four responses in, you know, and And each day, like I'm answering the question and I'm thinking, you know, it takes me probably about 30 to 45 minutes to think about the question um, and what my response is going to be and to kind of get it onto paper. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'm cognitively thinking about how I father and really diving into like an introspective, you know, uh, pain of, and by pain, not like the, like hurt, but like a pain of glass. Um, into the visibility of how I father. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, after the third or fourth day, I, I had a rough day at work, man. It was a lot of meetings, a lot of just unnecessary, what I felt was unnecessary stuff mm-hmm. come up. And so by the time I got home, like I just, I remember falling on the bed or the couch and uh, I was on the couch and I was just kind of like unwinding on my phone and just, you know, doing the infinite doom scroll of social media. And my son came out of his room and is like, Hey, you, you want to see this Minecraft house I just built. And in that moment, it was probably, you know, maybe three seconds, but it felt like an eternity. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to tell him, no, I wanted to be like, you know what? I've had the worst day of my week, probably month and maybe year. I, I, I don't want to honestly, right. but you know, I started thinking about, and this is, again, this is all like, you know, nanoseconds, milliseconds. And, uh, and I started thinking about how I'm writing a book on fatherhood and I'm going to tell my son, no, I don't want to see what he's built. And then I just, I put my phone, I threw my phone down, mm-hmm. stood up and like, yeah, you know what? I do want to see it. And I want to give you, you know, constructive criticism on how to make it better. And in that moment, I felt so empowered. And had I not started down this journey of creating this book, where would my son be now? Right. And so mm-hmm. like, so that was story number one. And and that was a very significant moment, even if it was, you know, 15 seconds in the grand grand sense of time yeah the other um you know i and this is going to be me being pretty vulnerable here but you know it it was again a day of just tough work and at that point while uh in this point in the story i was working from home and so Mm -hmm. i didn't have the time the commute to kind of like unwind you know it was just like you know I, i have my desk in my bedroom And when I leave my bedroom and I'm done for the day, I'm in the kitchen, you know, and it takes about two seconds for me to walk from my bedroom to the kitchen. And so again, it was another rough day, a lot of meetings. um, And I got pretty beat up professionally, like occupationally that day. And so I remember walking, um, you know, into my son's room and uh, he dropped something or he was picking on his sister or something. And it was just, it was, it was the this final straw on the camel's back, you know, and I teed off verbally, I I didn't hit him physically or anything. But, but I think, you know, I I don't know the definition of verbal assault, but I think I verbally assaulted him, you know, I told him like, you know, like, you can't do that. And I raised my voice. And, you know, I, I went off on this probably 30 to 45 second tirade. By the end, he was crying. My sister was like, or not my sister, his sister, my daughter, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like ran into her room and she just, you know, turtled up. And, you know, I told him, I was like, Hey, I love you. I'm going to, work. I'm going to work, you know, and I, and I left for another meeting. Um, and while I was out, uh, you know, I had, a, it, was, it was a phone call and it, the phone call of course went poorly because I felt awful, but, you know, I, I, I couldn't help, but spend the rest of that time away from the house, just feeling like absolute crap. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but think of ways that I would apologize to him because there's no way to apologize to this day. I don't know how to apologize to him for that moment, but, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, and I certainly haven't forgiven myself for it. Um, and Mm -hmm. this has been months, this has probably been about a year. Um, but I remember coming home, pulling into the driveway, sitting in my car for about a minute, like, all right, well, you got to go to apologize to your son. And, I manned up, 
I exited the vehicle. I walked in through the garage. I went to his room. He was reading a book or whatever. And I was like, hey, I kind of want to talk. And he was like, yes, dad, what's up? You know, and just chipper. And I was like, so, uh, you know, daddy was wrong earlier. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. And, he, you know, in that moment, he had forgiven me. You know, yeah. I, I did not. And to this day, I still don't think I deserve his forgiveness. But mm -hmm. that's that little kid's superpower, man, the, the power to forgive. He will never forget that kid remembers everything. Like he remembers the color of the socks that I wore on a camping trip three years ago, you know? Yeah. But, um, but that forgiveness, um, it's remarkable. And this was, you know, in reminiscing on that in the book and being vulnerable, I'm hoping that that prevents another dad from teeing off on his kids tomorrow mm -hmm. or next month or next year, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that story, I think, resonates with so many of us. I mean, because you come home, you're tired. Um, like you said, the job has an ability of just, just kicking your butt, right? Yeah. And then you bring that with you. One of the ways I tell my fathers is to, you know, we wear different hats, right? And before you step into that door, take that hat off at work. I used to do the same exact thing, right? My wife said, you know, you're in lineman mode is what she would call it. <laughs> and I'd start barking orders and everything, trying to get stuff done, right? Yeah. And uh, what I was doing when I was doing that is I was being super critical with all of them. And I was putting the job first, right? Over the relationship, right? And as men, we need to put the relationship first, Absolutely. Right? And it's good to see that you recognize that and you're able to be big enough to apologize to your kid, you know, yeah. and it's good to see that your kid was reflecting something that needed to grow in you. Because what I truly believe is that our children and our spouse as well, right, they are like mirrors for what is going on inside of us. Oh, absolutely. You know, or what we're lacking Yeah. in that yeah. case. You know, that kid showed you what true forgiveness is. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, the the mirror, you know, and that's kind of, um, they say that a lot in the military too, is that, you know, mm -hmm. soldier, soldiers are a reflection of their leadership, you know? And yeah, you know, when you leave every day or when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you're brushing your teeth, you know, you think everybody knows that there's pieces of them. I'm hoping everybody knows that there's pieces of themselves that they can improve. But when you're looking at yourself in the mirror every day, when you're brushing your teeth or getting ready for the day, you know, you're just kind of thinking about how you're going to crush that day, right? Like, how am I going to succeed? And how am I going to leverage all of my, you know, strength to mm -hmm. be best, put, put my best self forward today. And it's very few and far between where we take those moments to kind of reflect on the bad stuff. You know, how, how can we, wh what do we need to do to improve, you know? And, and I would argue that a very small percentage of people in general, it's not just dads, it's not just moms, you know, it's grandparents as well, you know, because grandparenting is a completely different shift from parenting. Right. Yeah. And so how can I be a better grandparent, you know, but people, I, I, I think most, I, I think most don't think that way, but I, I wish they would. I, I wish people would start reflecting on their weaknesses and how they can, you know, and, and you've said it in a past podcast, you know, we, I, I listened to the Memorial Day special and you're only, and you said it great, 
you're you're only as fast as your slowest guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so like you personally and me personally, like we're only as strong as our greatest weakness allows us to be. And mm -hmm. so it's important to really build upon ourselves and always, you know, if I, I hope I never lose it, but I try to recommend or to realize every single day that there's something I can improve about myself. There's something mm -hmm. I can improve about my kids, my wife, shoot, I can improve something, you know, I can help my dogs improve on something, you know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, if, the, if their behavior is uh, inadequate, barking at the mailman or whatever, you know, like, there's always some some sort of positivity that you can propel into the world and that somebody mm -hmm. can latch on to do the same thing, you know, and it, and it just percolates back to that butterfly effect, that ripple effect of dropping that stone and watching that tsunami hit on the other side. Yeah, for sure. And um, paying attention, right, through the process. That's yeah. one thing I've learned throughout this whole thing. Um a good mentor friend of mine, Lyman sits on my board, told me, he's like, pay attention when you're going through this stuff. He's like, pay attention to the little details. And I, I even teach that to my apprentices, you know, all these little details that we show you since the beginning, kind of like in the military where they tell you pay attention to detail and they yep. have you looking for commie tags and, and all this different stuff. Right. And yep. even to where you're folding your clothes a certain way, everything that's all teaching you attention to detail, you know, and that'll save you in the long run. And I apply that even in life. If you're paying attention to the little details while you're going through the process, whether it be in the valley or in the peaks, because life is a series of valleys and peaks, right? Yeah. And uh, if you pay attention to every little thing that's going on and you see you can learn something from it, right? Absolutely. Um, we had a past guest. It was one of our marriage series with uh, Alan Fisher and his wife, Carolyn. And one of the things that I took from that great podcast was that the wife, you know, Ellen had a certain way about him, right? And she didn't understand until she finally realized that the way he was was because he had Asperger's, hmm. right? So he was yeah. super, super focused. Well, it rubbed off, like she said, as him coming off as an asshole and he didn't care about the family at all, but it was just because he was super focused. And that's what helped him to become a 26-time world champion arm wrestler, right? Wow. But she didn't know that, okay? Yeah. And um, one of the things she said that kept her going forward in that marriage is that even though he messed up consistently, and I think all men can say that we constantly are failing, constantly are failing, right? In this pursuit of perfection, right? Yeah. And she said that kept her going in the marriage was that he never stopped trying. And she was able to recognize that because why? Because she paid attention to the details, paid attention to the process. He never stopped trying. He was messy yeah. throughout the, his their marriage, right? Wow. but he never stopped trying. Yeah. That's, I think that's, you know, indicative of a good leader, honestly, yeah. you know, into, you know, everybody gets knocked down a notch. And if you're, if you're not getting knocked down a notch, you need to be, <laughs> you know, everybody, <laughs> you know, part yeah. of life, you know, part of joy is recognizing the struggle, you know, and so, um, yeah, man, that's, that's, it's important to just, and it's important to keep trying, but it's important yeah. for your children to see that, you know, because 
yes if they they don't then they won't get up when they fall down you know Mm -hmm. and that's the last thing i want to put out into the world and you know gosh 10 years now and and boy is this time flying but you know my my children our children need to see that their parents continue to try you know and Mm -hmm. and although to, to my knowledge, you know, we, we haven't been diagnosed with anything, especially as significant as Asperger's, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, they just have to continue to, to see that effort. And, yeah, and really, you know, it, it's, you see it all over the place. You know, I actually recently posted something about it on LinkedIn um, recently, but, you know, I, I came to work one day and uh, it was this week and I show up and I'm usually early uh i think the military did that to me you know if you're not early you're late yeah but um you know i showed up early and there just happened to be five or six other um of my coworkers in the office and you know i I walked into i work in it and uh i work i walk in the door and uh there's just this increasingly loud buzzing sound that's like noticeable yeah. and and very out of the ordinary and so I was like gosh what is that you know and I'm tracking it down um and I finally found it was like one of those like little battery backups for like a computer you know a fuse must have blown or something uh-huh. uh, maybe it wasn't a fuse but you know I just I, I held the power button down and the noise went away and so I was like ah whew. you know because I was that's like uh like headache inducing yeah. this, this <laughs> siren that was coming out of this thing and, you know, I couldn't help but think like those five or six other individuals, like they were so blatantly d- disregarding that noise. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, in one way, I admire it, right? Like being able to just completely disregard the, the mm-hmm. noise that surrounds us. But like, surely that noise would affect your ability to work. And mm-hmm. so like, I found it incredibly, I don't know, agitating, but also like, just something to kind of percolate uh in my mind about mm-hmm. like how like nobody else thought to seek out where this noise was coming from and to turn it off you know and uh and I, I think it's important I, and i hope my kids do the same you know that's part of doing the right thing when nobody's yes. watching right and so like i i, I just i i can only hope and mm-hmm. also you know show that type of behavior and hope that they pick up on it yeah, for sure. And that's that tunnel vision I talked about. Yep, exactly. They were so focused on what was going on around them or not around them, what they're working on, that yeah. they couldn't see what was going on around them, right? And when we're so focused like that, dude, we miss out in life. Think oh, about sure. it. You know, when you're over here on your device, dude, and you have a perfect opportunity to spend time with your children, you're going to miss out on that, especially your baby's first steps or whatever significant event that happens in life. You know, if you're so focused on answering an email or even just like a brainless mind scrolling, like you said, you know, through Instagram or whatever, yeah. you're going to miss out on these little moments that you cannot get back. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, I, I went to a softball. My, my daughter was seven. She's at a softball game and uh-huh. I'm sitting there on my phone, you know, and this is actually during the, the, the composition of this book but i'm sitting there on my phone you know she's out having a good time playing softball but like i'm sitting there on my phone and it and it took a second and i looked around i saw other parents i was like i cannot i cannot allow myself to do this and it's like a drug those phones are drugs and we're all addicted and so it was a conscious conscious choice to put that Mm -hmm. phone down 
and watch my my daughter get a double, you know, or or watch her strike out and see how she reacts as she heads back to the dugout, you know, like mm-hmm. there's just so much that that we all miss by not allowing ourselves to see what's in front of us. You, you said it, man. Man, have you watched that movie, The Social Dilemma, on Netflix? No, I need to. Apparently, dude, you got to watch that, man. It 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 talks about how they purposely target our interests, and we are consumers for them, right? Yeah. Um, the thing that really gripped me and I thought was pretty fascinating is they said there's two groups of people that they call users: drug addicts and people on social media. Wow. And I thought that that blew my mind away. You know what I mean? I yeah. was like, whoa, man, we're I'm a user, you know? <laughs> it's eye-opening, right? But uh we're junkies. Yeah, we're junkies. So yeah, I definitely, you know, check that out. It's pretty awesome. It's on uh Netflix, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely will. Now reading your story and stuff like that, I see that it has like this humorous tone, right? And, you know, you talked about stories about farting in the elevator with your kids and all these different little things, right? So how do you balance humor and serious topics in your writing? Yeah, you know, it's tough. And I I am not a writer. And, you know, <laughs> I, I actually, and it, it's kind of interesting. My, my dad is one of the co-authors of this book. And oh, wow. so- He's a bit of a writer. He's self-published a few books. Um, and I've always kind of, and again, because I saw him write, you know, all throughout his life, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had this bucket list item of becoming an author. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm certainly not an author and the other four fathers aren't much of authors either, you know, but we, I think that our stories are significant and n- they're significant enough that they write themselves, you know, and, mm-hmm. and even, you know, David, if, if you're not an author, it sounds like you've got some amazing stories that could write themselves, you know, and yeah. it's stuff that, you know, would otherwise just be buried with us in 40, 50, a hundred years, you know, and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll just go unnoticed. And, um, you know, I'm, the goal of this book is to prevent that, you know, and to, to promote, uh, you know, our family lineage and history so that, you know, those, those that come after us can leave the world in a better place than they found it, you know? And so yeah. I think, I think adding humor helps, uh, you know, helps a storyline along, you know, I like reading stuff that has like, you know, humor elements so that it's easier to remember, you know? Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, they say that a child's brain is most malleable whenever there is fear or a highest uh, an elevated um type of emotion going on yeah. and i think that even holds true with us right so if you're using humor like i know like when i'm teaching my children or even teaching apprentices if i use a little humor in it it shows that vulnerability that i am human i'm not this authoritative figure who's trying to get you to understand something but hey i'm just like you let's freaking break bread and it just breaks down those barriers, right? That are developed by, you know, the perspective of teacher to student, right? For whatever sure. reason, you know what I mean? Oh, that's our, that's our, that's our instructor. We got to whatever, or even, oh, that's dad. We can't, we can't act like that. You know what I'm saying? I want to break down those barriers. You know, I definitely don't want to lose respect at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I do want to show them that, Hey man, let's have a good time. So I, I, I agree with you. Humor is important, I believe. 
Yeah. And you know, like my wife calls me a man child all the time. You know, I leave the seat <laughs> up or I'll leave trash in my car and, and she calls me a man child. But, you know, I think the fact is, is that I am and you are, you know, I, I I'm pushing 39. I'm going to be 39 in about two mm -hmm. months, but I still feel like I'm 17, you know, mentally, I still feel young and yeah. in talking to, you know, some, some seniority and, you know, I've, uh, man, I've just had some incredible conversations, especially of late um, with individuals that are my senior, but mm -hmm. in their mind, mentally, they feel younger than I do, you know? And, wow. and so I think there's a piece of us and I, I'm certainly no therapist or psych psychologist or anything, but I think there is a piece of us buried deep down somewhere where we still kind of have that like children child mentality you know where we still want to do fun things and i still want to you know eat cotton candy at the circus type deal you know and i still want to have pillow fights and man i love i absolutely love a good nerf gun fight i will dome my kid as much as possible you know <laughs> <laughs> but but you know i think we all have that inner child that just wants to be let out yeah. and uh and, you know obviously it has to be controlled in a professional environment in a parenting environment you know but every, every once in a while you need that outlet you know and if in my instance if it's through writing you know or, or your instance and it's through you know dealing with uh subordinates that are on their way up in their journeyman journey you know then then so be it but i i think that inner child is is something that we all should really strive to to wrangle in you know rein up yeah, I definitely let my inner foo, I call it, <laughs> come <laughs> out, you, you know. <laughs> well, John, Christian, we're coming up to the end of the uh, the broadcast here. Um, what is a bit of advice that you can give to an aspiring young father that you could share? Yeah, I would just say, you know, whatever you're doing, if you're doing it cognitively, you know, you're, you're doing it and you're doing it right. You know, there, there's mm -hmm. no single way. And I'm, I'm here to say that this book, it's not going to teach you the way, but it's going to teach you a way. And, you know, we kind of briefly touched on it before, but just kind of like, you know, taking in others, you know, wisdom uh, is, can be beneficial. And if you agree with it, or if you don't agree with it, then letting that kind of percolate in your mind and coming up with your way you're not going to be wrong, you know, and you also, you don't need permission to be a good dad. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of been one thing that's held me back previously is that, you know, I needed, you know, my dad to see how good I was treating my son or daughter, you know, mm -hmm. or I needed them to see how good I was treating them or if I was treating them poorly, you know, but if you give your per yourself permission to do great things, you'll do great things. Yeah, I like that. So as a recap, and it's it resonates with something I say, six one way, half a dozen the other. As long yeah. as the outcome is the same, who cares how you get there, right? Exactly. You know, but uh, once again, John, how could people reach out to you if they want to reach out to you and get your book or anything like that? I give you this opportunity now to just share with our audience real quick. You don't cool. mind? Yeah, I appreciate it. So our website is village-wisdom.com. Mm -hmm. uh, we're on Instagram at village.wisdom. And uh, if you want to reach out to me personally, I love it. I love all the correspondence. Uh, my email is john at village-wisdom.com. Well, right on, guys. Thank you, John, from the Show Up That Foundation. We appreciate you coming on here and sharing your wisdom, dude. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much.